0: This morning, Lord, we want to come to you and say thank you. You are a good, good Father. And we are so grateful that for all that you do. We are so grateful for your presence here this morning. And we ask this morning as we enter into this time of studying your word and celebrating the work that you're doing in the lives of those all around us, pray, O oh Lord, that it would be more and more of you filling us each and every moment and less and less of us. Move us out of the way so that you may have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to invite a friend up here. I'm going to ask Larry Yerington to come up here this morning. If you notice, there is kind of a theme up here with this, with this idea of greater than. But we'll be talking about greater than for a while, and this idea that, that Jesus is greater. And that's our theme for the next few weeks, and we'll be talking through the book of Hebrews. But this morning, we're really focusing on this idea of how much greater Jesus is in our lives than all the other things that can cause us to drift away or to be pulled away. And it is so easy to do so. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get our eyes on something else. It's so easy to, get, to let life kind of get in the way. So this morning, I asked Larry to come up here and kind of share a little bit about how in his life, he has experienced drift in what God has done in his life in response to that. So I'm just going to ask Larry a couple questions, and he's going to respond to them. The first one is very simple. Have you ever experienced drift in your relationship with God?
1: Uh, well, yes, and uh, uh, of course, being toothless doesn't help.
0: There you go.
1: That's, oh, I need to get this up here. <laughs> uh, you can hear me. All right, well... Um, When I was very young, or not when I was very young, when my son was very young, I used to tuck him into bed and read him stories, and one of his favorite stories was the firehouse cat, and the firehouse cat had very big paws and wanted to do very big things, and that was sort of a reflection on my life to some extent. I always expected some very big calling. Um, I always wanted that from God. And it didn't quite happen, uh, that big calling to be a pastor or a missionary or something like that. But what, oh, my wife is giving me signals. So, on <laughs> so um, since that didn't happen, why why God didn't show up in a fiery bush or something and invite me into some big mission uh, that he had planned for my life. But just the other day, I was reading the story of Esther. And if you haven't read the story, it's a wonderful story. It reads like a novel. And as it turns out in that story, a very beautiful Jewish young girl uh, became queen in the court of King Xerxes. And um, then something happened that uh, uh, caused a problem with the Jews, and I won't tell the whole story because I don't want to ruin the (laughs) punchline, but um, in that story, Uh, Esther plays a huge role, but at first she didn't want to do it, and so she talked to her uncle. And her uncle said, maybe it was, or perhaps it was, that you were born, or that you were made queen queen for such a time as this. (laughs) And that made a huge impact on me as I thought about that. And this big calling on my life. Whenever I see myself in a place where I have something good that I can do, I just do it. Because perhaps, maybe that's why I was born. And so I decided then, as I decided some time ago, really, that I don't need a big calling. I don't need a big burning bush. I just need to know that God uses me in all sorts of different ways. I think the other reason that I uh, slip or- uh, Drift. Drift, right, drift, is that um, I don't like authority. I have never liked authority. I don't trust authority and so uh, it has caused a few problems in my life, (laughs) But, but nevertheless in spite of the authority problems I had to begin to realize that I couldn't cause that drift also because the problem was that I translated that authority problem to God and I didn't realize that he was a good God. It took me many years to come to grips with the idea that God is a good, good father, as we sang this morning. I think the third thing um, for me um, is that I love to sin. LAUGHTER There is something enormously gratifying. (laughs) It causes me to laugh, and it causes me uh, great joy in the moment, but perhaps not later. Um, And I had to begin to learn as well that those things which seem like they're going to be fun and seem like they're going to add to your life will only take away from it and perhaps even ruin the relationships that you have in your life. And so once I begin to realize that, I didn't drift quite as much. I think age has something to do with that because I'm not able to sin as much as I used to. <laughs> So, so at any rate, uh, that's, that's kind of my story. Of okay.
0: My <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you one last question. Um, so in, in that, in, in what you've been doing, you've, you shared a lot of great stuff, but how are you specifically now protecting yourself from that drift? Besides having a wonderful wife who helps you, well, how else are you protecting yourself from drift?
1: Well, that's certainly paramount. hmm is having a wife who is solid, in fact, um,
0: <laughs> We know you're very blessed.
1: I am. Uh, I'm mm. very blessed to have the wife mm. that I have. She is my rock. I'm not very good spiritually. I try to stay in the Bible. I try to pray. I'm not a good prayer. Um, I study the Bible, but it becomes more an intellectual exercise than it does a spiritual exercise. But she is my rock. And there are other people, friends in my life, that are rocks for me. And if it wasn't for that, I think that uh, I would drift a lot more. Mm -hmm. But it's those people who stand as Christ in my life and help me to live the life that I want to live.
0: Mm. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. You're appreciate right. it, brother. Thank you. And I, could, I can attest to having an amazing wife because I have one too, and she keeps me from drifting oftentimes as well. But I want to watch you to see a video real quick here, kind of explain my wife a little bit. So Squirrel, I'm sure you've all seen that movie Up. It's one of my favorite movies, and this is one of my favorite scenes. Uh, This came out quite a while ago, but uh, a fun nickname we have for my wife is Squirrel because she has this ability to be distracted very easily. In the midst of of a conversation, she just gets distracted, and whether it's an elk or something else... Um, she just very easily gets distracted, and so we have a lot of fun with that. And uh, if you're familiar with, with Dory from the other Disney movie that I can't remember the name of at the, at the moment, she has that. Same, yeah, finding you, she has that same problem sometimes, forgetting what she was talking about, and then all of a sudden talking about something else. And uh, so we have fun in our house doing that, uh, and uh, we uh, we enjoy that. But this idea of drift, how often do we have these moments just like the dog? We'll be focused on God. We'll be doing really well. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what was that? And we get totally distracted by something what looks like fun or interesting or entertaining or something that looks like it's worthwhile that causes us to just turn from God or change course or begin to move in a different direction because of how pleasing or enticing or interesting it may seem. This morning we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 and this is a warning that the writer of Hebrews is giving to the Jewish nations and Jewish Christians and saying pay attention. So this morning what we want you to do is pay attention to this warning because it's very very important. Along with the warning. We want to give you some practical advice and practical tools to help you know how to walk through life every day and avoid the drift. So if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to read from that scripture here. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, but as we read through this, I want you to listen very, very carefully to the way in which the author presents this warning. So we start in verse 2, it says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. So this morning, we are asked to pay careful attention. Are you listening this morning? And what are you listening to? As a coach, I've been coaching for over 20 years, several different sports, soccer, powerlifting, uh, martial arts, and and others, but soccer is the one that I've spent the most time coaching. And I've coached ages eight all the way up to, or I guess five or six, all the way up to 18. And so I've had experience at all levels, but one of the things I have noticed doesn't matter the age of the students, doesn't matter the age of the kids, they all have something in common, a very short attention span. And it comes out in lots of different ways. So just a few days ago, we were on the soccer field. We're going through our practice. And all of a sudden, this helicopter comes flying out of nowhere and begins to circle and do these maneuvers all around the field. You would have thought that these high school students had never seen a helicopter before. Because it didn't matter that we were standing there with a soccer ball at our feet. The coach was talking and we were trying to keep their attention, and wouldn't you know it, every one of them was turned around watching this helicopter. Even so, even to the point where one of them said, could you please just wait until the helicopter lands? Because we want to watch it. And to be honest, I was having a hard time paying attention, too, because it was, it was pretty cool. But that happens so quickly, even in the midst of something so important, like soccer, because it's the best sport, just so that you know that, you don't have to worry about the Broncos today you know, soccer's happening too, it's much better. Um, I'm a little biased, but when we're there standing there around the circle with the ball, soccer balls at our feet, we're being distracted by something else that in the moment is more important. So I was coaching, again, six, seven, eight-year-olds, I can't remember, it's been a little while, so my, my memory is getting a little fuzzy, but we were playing on a soccer field, Braden was was playing on the team at the time, and the ball was at the other end of the field and we were getting ready to score. And so I'm, getting, I'm watching the play, I'm watching, it's exciting. And I turn around and look to see where our goalie is because he's the only one on that half of the field. And I notice there's no goalie in the goal. So I start looking around for him. And he's off behind the goal, off the field, chasing a butterfly because that butterfly was more interesting than the game. So how often... Does that happen in our lives? You see, this scripture that we're looking at today is all about how do we avoid drifting away from the focus that we're supposed to have on our salvation in Christ. You see, Jesus is greater than all other things. When Jesus came to give his life, his sacrifice and his death and resurrection gave us the opportunity to have a relationship with the father through him See, jesus became the way the truth and the life that no one can come to the father except through him that is the message this morning that we need to know and we need to hear and we need to keep our eyes fixed on that jesus is our salvation and nothing else can save us not the law not the prophets not the angels although their words were important valuable, and they prophesied about Jesus coming and doing this. But it's most important to keep our eyes on Christ, to keep our focus on a relationship with Him, and therefore our relationship with our Father. So this morning, I could give you a whole bunch of other illustrations about drift, and maybe I will as we go along. But as we talk about this, I want you to start thinking about what are the things that cause you to drift away from Christ. As Larry was talking about, in his life, there's a number of things. And oftentimes, I'm sure, Larry didn't even notice it. Because how often do we actually notice we're drifting away until we've completely lost sight of where we were? And it's so subtle, it's so little at times, that we just don't see it until it's too late So this morning, I want to share with you some different things that will help you. Some some practical things that will help you not only recognize what's pulling you away from God, but also how to make sure that you're keeping your eyes and your focus on God. The most important piece of this scripture is found in verse 3. And I want you to focus on this this morning. What is most important? And it's simply this, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So what are we trying to escape? We're escaping, quite frankly, hell. We're escaping eternal separation from God. We're escaping the punishment for the sin that we have committed and deserve. We're escaping from the consequences of our bad choices. We are escaping from the pit of despair and hopelessness that comes when we don't know Christ. This morning, what is it that you need to escape by embracing the presence of God in your life, to embracing the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ? What do you need to get away from? What does God want to pull you away from? to save you from, to release you from? What are the things that are holding you back that have drawn you away? This is a warning that we all need to be paying attention to because what is the author trying to say? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed by those who heard him. You see, as Jesus shared that message himself during his time and his life here on earth, The disciples then took that message firsthand and shared it again. And today, we share that same message in our lives. As Jamie was talking about the the gentleman that works at Brownfields, Martin, many of you are taking this very message and sharing it in very real, practical, and obvious ways to him. And I want to thank you for that because you are living out that salvation. You are living out your faith right in front of someone who has no idea who Jesus is. And so he is seeing firsthand in you the love of Christ and how that salvation in Christ has affected and changed and made you new. This morning... There are so many different things that can distract us from God. Take a moment to think about that. What are the things in your life that pull you away? Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's work. Work is all-consuming. Maybe it's the Internet or life in general. Life is just really difficult right now. Or there's challenges that you're facing every day that are just weighing you down. Or maybe it's family. Family can be wonderful and amazing at times, and other times it can be very challenging and difficult just ask my kids. What about kids, school, hobbies, etc.? There are endless things in life that can distract us from God. What is going on in your life today that's causing you to drift, to just seem to lose focus and kind of fade away from where you're supposed to be so I want to share you share with you five things about how we can protect ourselves from drift. And I want to go through them a little bit quickly cuz hopefully a lot of this is common sense or is very simple. It doesn't need a lot of explanation outside of what scripture can tell us. So the first thing is simply this. How can we protect ourselves from drift? Number 1, identify distractions. That should be pretty simple, right? What are the things that are glaring like these bright lights? Saying, "Come follow me," or "Come look at me," or "Come do what I do what I'm doing," so that we would walk away from Christ. So, what is distracting you today? Take a minute and write some of those things down. Ask God in your quiet time, Lord, what is getting in the way of my time with you? I know for me, it's busyness. I try to to set aside time every morning to read God's word and to pray, and that's probably the most difficult thing I have to do every single day, because I get so easily distracted, because I want to get things done, or I want to talk to people, or I want to interact, or I want to have some things that I that I want to accomplish that day, and so it's so easy to forget about that, but I have to, every day, make sure that I stop and pray, stop and read God's Word. Thankfully, I have a phone that I carry with me, and I have my Bible, my devotions on it. It makes it a little bit more easy for me to do that wherever I am. So what is it that you do, again, to help avoid those distractions? And then what is keeping you where you're at? Some of us just feel stuck in the mud or stuck in a place where we just can't move out of. We're stuck in that distraction. We're stuck in that thing or things that are keeping us away from focusing on God. What's keeping you there? What is that distraction that is not only leading you away from God, but what is stuck? Why aren't you turning back and going to God? What is the pleasure or the allure or the, the thing that, that sin or that distraction has a hold on you so tight? And once you identify that, begin to give it to God so you can come back to where he wants you to be the second thing is avoid regrets and I know this is something that I have to do every day because I know I've I've shared this story before but when I was a teenager I had an opportunity to share my faith with a with a friend he had been a friend since since elementary school we kind of drifted away in middle school and um, in high school he had really messed his life up with drugs and things, and he came to me, and he started talking to me and asking me questions about, about God and stuff, and to be honest with you, I was too afraid to talk to him about it because I, I didn't know what to say. I was afraid. And so over the course of about three or four months, he kept asking questions. I kept changing the subject over and over and over again. And then the last day of school, he was killed. And I never had the opportunity to share with them. Those are the kinds of regrets that we have to live with sometimes. But you know, the the cool thing of that story was another friend of mine who was a a mentor came and, and shared with us as a group that he had the opportunity to share Christ with Scott before he died. But what are the things that we regret because we didn't step up in obedience when God said, follow me. Or what other regrets we had when we followed that alluring sin or that alluring distraction. And because of it, we missed something God wanted us to do over here. How often do we regret or carry regret because we didn't listen to God in the first place? Sin has real real consequences both in this life and in eternity. And sometimes the sin is simply disobedience because we know God is asking us to do something and we just don't do it. Regrets of sin are like tar and quicksand, they hold you tight and keep you from moving on. What is holding you in that place so tightly that you can't get back to where God wants you to be? And if it's sin, we just need to give it to God and say, I'm sorry. And God is so quickly to embrace us and pull us right on out and help us to move forward. If you do make mistakes, own them and move forward. Don't ignore them or you will never escape them. This morning, sometimes sin can be like an individual prison cell. The door's unlocked. All we got to do is walk out because Christ paid the price. But for whatever reason, we're too afraid to open that door and walk out. Sin has too strong a grip on us. And then avoid mistakes by listening to God and obey His commands the first time. Those are all things that we can do to practically avoid regrets. John 14, 21 says these words, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. You see, that's a command, but also a promise. If we love God and we do what He says and follow His commands, not only will He love us, but He will show Himself to us. Do you long to see God's presence in such a powerful way today in your life that it simply fades everything else to the background? It happens when we pursue Him. It happens when we're obedient to Him. Number three, renew confidence. Your confidence must be in something other than the things of this world. It's so easy to trust in our own talents, our own gifts, our own abilities, our own ideas, our own intellect. We are amazing people. God created us in amazing ways. And so often it's easy to internalize that and trust in ourselves or trust in something else or someone else, some great cause out there that someone else is leading that pulls us away from God. But to understand it this morning... We must, as Christians, have our confidence in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone because He is our hope. He is our life. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God has given us the tools and He's given us the things that we need to have confidence in. What are you placing your confidence in today? Because it should be in your salvation in Christ alone. But on top of that, as we believe and know in our salvation in Christ and have confidence in Him, we also must have confidence in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in your life today. How many of you are being changed and transformed every day because you are giving the Holy Spirit permission to do it? If you want to be made known, be made new and transformed, you have to give the Holy Spirit permission every day to work in your life. Are you giving God that permission? Are you saying, God, do your work in me? The Holy Spirit has free reign in my life. Do what you please. Do what you want because I am yours. But far too often, we close that door and do our own thing instead of giving God the permission to do so. Then we also have to have confidence, complete confidence in the truth of God's word. Just as as I just read in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. This is why he gave us this scripture. And the last one is the promises of God's word. God's word has promises all throughout it. Are you trusting that those promises will become true in your life? Are you letting God work in you so that those promises will be realized? And then be a sponge. I love this image. If you were to grab a sponge and you take it and and dip it in water and soak it up, a sponge not only will soak up all that water, but then as you lift that sponge out of water, it will begin to drip and ooze water, doesn't it? It just kind of drips out. And then as you squeeze it, more and more comes out. Do you know that's the way we're supposed to be with God's presence in our lives? We are supposed to be like a sponge that God can just pour into And as he does, God drips out and touches the lives around us. And then when difficult times come or when we get squeezed, it's not us that comes out. It's more and more of God that's supposed to come out. I hope you realize that today. But we are supposed to be a sponge that soaks up everything that God has for us so that in turn we can pour out that onto the world around us. That is a promise that God gives us. But it's also a command that he gives us. And he says these words in Joshua 1.8, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will affect the world around you. You will be like those who are touching Martin's life you'll be dripping the presence of God on those around you. And when you get squeezed a little bit, more of God will come rushing out on those around you. I hope that's an image that you can see today and take as your own. And the last thing is be transformed. Romans, one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, Romans 12.2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, a good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times people come to me and say, how do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know what God's will is? And this is the scripture I take them to, because it really is simple, Do not conform to the patterns of this world. In other words, do not chase after the things of this world. Do not be distracted by what the world has to offer. Do not chase sin. Do not chase the stuff that is out there in the world. Instead, let your mind, and it's so important that that Paul used the word mind, because oftentimes it's our mind that drifts more than anything else. But let your mind be transformed. By what? By Him and His power working in your life. By the Holy Spirit. Because if you do that, then you will know God's will. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says these words, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Today, are you a new creation in Christ? Or are you still that old creation? creation that is yet to be touched by the power and the presence of God working in you you see the Holy Spirit is alive and he wants to do a work in you he wants to take your life he wants to reshape it he wants to remake it and he wants to turn it into something incredible and amazing because that's what he created you to be but our lives get corrupted by sin corrupted by the drift of of whatever else is distracting us and God wants to take us and remake us into that person He created us to be. This morning, are you a truly a new creation in Christ? Because you've given your life to Him. So as we look at this, this idea of drift, and we talked about how can we protect ourselves from drift, let us now look at how can we focus on our salvation? Because that's what really the scripture is about. Not only the warning of how do we avoid drifting away from Christ and the salvation we have in him, but if we really want to remain solid in our faith, and I ask this question to Larry, how do we avoid drift? That is it. How do we keep our focus on Christ? How do we avoid that drift? And It's very simple. God gave us tools to use. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Right there is a simple answer. Are you living that out today? Are you trying to li- still trying to live your life on your own terms? in your own direction, in your own way. That is so often the the, the greatest challenge with drift is we want to do it our way. I want to do it my way. And I know Larry kind of expressed that. He wanted to do it his way too. And most of us want to do it our way. We want our way. We want our direction. We want our dreams. We want that great calling or that great purpose, whatever that is. And we keep saying, I want it my way. You know, I think sometimes... I can't remember was it was Burger King or McDonald's that said, you can have it your way. How often do we take that to heart and try to do it our way in life? And you know what always happens? We always end up far away from God, stuck in the tar or the quicksand of sin, and then turning around and trying to find God again, realizing that he's always been there right next to us, and right with us all the time we just got our eyes off of them so what are these tools god gave us prayer god gave us reading he gave us the scriptures he gave us the bible to read he gave us the opportunity to share our faith and tell others about christ he gave us worship isn't it wonderful to be able to worship together whether it's through music and the amazing team we have up here that leads us every week but he also gives us the opportunity to listen to music or, or read scripture and worship him through it. You know, I find in Esses Park, one of the greatest ways to worship is just to look out my window or just step outside and see the beauty all around. You see, God has given us things to remind us to worship him every day and we are in such a unique place that we can just look outside and see his beauty. We don't have to go very far, do we? and be reminded of how to worship Him because of how great and amazing He is. In relationships. I know Larry talked about his wonderful and amazing wife, Susan. I have an amazing wife, even though we laugh and call her squirrel once in a while. She keeps us all focused at times. She's the, the rock in our family and keeps us focused on Christ. Do you have someone for you who does that for you If it's not a spouse, do you have a life group or a group of Christians, fellow believers who you can trust and rely on, who help you in those times of struggle, who lift you up, who encourage you, who keep you focused and help to turn you back towards Christ when you stray? It is so important. God has given us a family. Are you willing to let that family love you, care for you, And walk with you every day. Don't isolate yourself because you were never meant to be isolated. The second thing is surrender yourself or surround yourself with believers, life groups, small groups, a church. You cannot do this life alone. You were never meant to do it alone. God meant for you to do it with others. You are surrounded by wonderful people of faith. Make sure. That you never lose sight of that. And the last thing is simply be made new and transformed. Are you being transformed every day? One of the things I've learned in my faith is I grow more when I have an opportunity to share my faith and have others invest in me. You see, when people are feeding me and then I am also feeding others, my faith grows significantly because I watch the amazing things God does through me and around me and in me are you experiencing that today are you letting god work on you by letting other people feed into you and in the same way are you letting god use you to feed into others because every single one of you has the ability the opportunity the gifts the talents and the presence of god to feed life into others through christ working in your life are you letting him do that every day Ask yourself this question every morning. God, who can have an impact on me today? Help me not to miss it when you want to speak to me through someone else. And in the same way, God, show me every day who you can use me to influence for Christ. It might be a Martin, but it might be someone else that you would never think of simply because you said yes to God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us these words, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. My hope and prayer for you, each and every one of you today that you can say that scripture with the greatest confidence today, that you are new because Christ lives in your heart. But if he doesn't, there's no better time than right now To turn your eyes back to Jesus. To turn your focus back to your relationship with Him. And to ask God to pull you out of that drift and put you right back focused on Him. I don't know where you are today, but here's your challenge. Give God control today. Not just a little bit, but give Him everything. Don't just give Him a seat. But give him the steering wheel. Most of us have driven a car. And although sitting in the seat is important, you also have to have a hold of the wheel. Otherwise, you're going to quickly go astray. You need to give God the seat. You need to give God the steering wheel. And you also need to give him the opportunity to push the gas and the brakes whenever he wants. Are you giving him that kind of control today? Are you letting him have everything? Let Jesus be your anchor and keep a strong connection. It's not only important to have an anchor, but if that rope's not attached, the anchor's kind of useless. You've got to stay connected with Jesus every single day through the tools that we talked about already. Don't let anything cause you to drift from your faith and salvation. Let your anchor always be Christ. And always keep your heart and eyes focused on Him so that not only are you connected to the anchor so you don't drift, but you're on a solid foundation that is Christ. Then He will turn you loose on the world. And you know what we really need today? We need a whole lot of sold-out Christians who are totally and completely being transformed by God, set loose on the world, not sitting here. This is great. This is important but you're needed out there far more than you're needed right here because the world is dying. The world is lost. The world is desperate and the world needs Christ. And so we need to be willing to step out of this empowered by God because this should be like a celebration. This should be like a rally. This should be like the place where we get fueled up so we can go out the rest of the week and share our faith every single day. This is where we get recharged, re-energized, and set loose. Are you ready to be set loose for God today? I hope you are. I'm going to pray this prayer, and and I'm going to do it slowly. So I'm going to challenge you to pray this with me. You can do it silently or out loud, but I would challenge you to pray this prayer with me if you want to truly let God have you and do what he wants with you, to send you, to change you, to empower you. Pray this prayer with me this morning. Jesus, you are the author of my faith, my anchor and my solid foundation. Help me to avoid drift in my life. Keeping my heart fully devoted to you. Help me when and if I do drift to quickly grab a hold of you again. Jesus, help me to write the words of your truth in my heart and to give the Holy Spirit permission to make me new while transforming me as you please. Jesus, I am yours today and every day. Take me as I am and remake me as you desire. You are my Lord and Savior, the Son of God. My life is yours.